Hey there, guys. Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks, as always, for checking out this week's podcast. And don't forget, you can get a free Heartland College Sports koozie. Just rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And then send me a screenshot, Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and I will ship out a free koozie. I'll even ship out multiple koozies if I'm feeling uh, in a good mood that day. What more do you want? Appreciate the time as always, guys. Enjoy the show, and we'll talk to you soon. Safeties drop really deep. Handoff sermon over the left side. Big hole. 30. First down. 25. 20. Breaks a tackle. 15. 10. 5. The minister is into the end zone. Preach. Mason takes the ball, fakes a handoff, fires over the middle. It's caught by Aitman, and he takes it into the end zone. He juggled it for a moment, but got it back. Pistols firing. Touchdown, Oklahoma State's Marcel Aitman. There's more to us than that. Two receivers left, one right. Quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line. Jesse, 25-20, 15-10-5 to the goal line. Touchdown, 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion, they fake to him, hand to Hicks, he'll walk in and score. Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter, and the Horn Frogs now go up 13 to 7 in advance. 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. The 2018 recruiting season in the books for the Big 12 Conference, and what a rejuvenating year it really was across the board. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you joining us. If you're new to the show, first-time listener, thanks for being a part of this. Uh, Heartland College Sports, I started a couple of years ago. I used to work out in Oklahoma, moved to New York City for a couple of uh, media opportunities, and started this site as, as really a way to uh, promote this conference as much as I possibly could on a national scene, and we've had a lot of success with that thus far. So last week, you know, signing day came on Wednesday, and it was kind of in between when the show was going to be aired and what we could get to and what we couldn't get to was a little bit flimsy. But with this now in the books, the 2018 recruiting classes are done. Every Big 12 fan, unless maybe you're a Texas Tech fan, that was a a disappointing year for this class, a bad year for Cliff Kingsbury. This group of teams should be very happy with the direction they're heading and this past recruiting class. First off, you look at the big picture here, and Texas and Oklahoma, both in, in the top 10. You compare that to years past, where... Oklahoma, up until last year, the Sooners last year were ranked 8th, according to 24-7 Sports. That was the first time in seven years they had a top 10 recruiting class. Well, now they've had two straight. Texas bounces back from a really, by Texas standards, bad recruiting year last year at 25. Tom Herman just couldn't get his guys locked in. He now bumps up to number 3. And on top of that, he lands 11 of the top 15 players in the state of Texas. Tom Herman said he was going to lock down Texas in a way that Charlie Strong never did because Charlie Strong was not a Texas guy. He did that, and he came through on his word. 
I know this past season didn't live up to the expectations, but when it comes to recruiting, Tom Herman has kept his word in every way, and for that, he deserves a, a lot of credit. He really does. TCU comes in at 25 this year, Baylor at 30. Think about this. A one-win Baylor team has a top 30 class. It's ridiculous. The job that Matt Rule and his staff has done and did do this past recruiting cycle has been, I think, the most overlooked story in all of college football recruiting. You know, maybe the diehards will talk about this, but the average college football fan doesn't realize how ridiculous of a job Matt Rule and his guys did on the trail. Oklahoma State at 33, West Virginia at 35. So you got 60% of your conference in the top 35 of recruiting classes. That's darn good. Now, Oklahoma State, the fact that Mike Gundy can't recruit top 25 classes, with the success he's had, all these 10-win seasons, you know, big bowl games, I'm sorry, uh, Mike Gundy's done fantastic things at Oklahoma State, but he's not recruited all that well. And I'd like to see that improve. This is the best class he's had in a few years at 33, but I just think it's got to get better for a guy that's had so much success on the field, is right down the road from Texas, has fantastic facilities. How is this guy not recruiting top 25 classes? I know Oklahoma State fans are going to say we take guys like Justin Blackman and turn them into uh, All-Americans and top NFL draft picks and yada, yada, yada. That's great. But why has that not resulted into four- and five-star guys? If you can turn a Justin Blackman or a James Washington into an All-American, imagine what, in theory, you could do with the four- and five-stars. And Mike Gundy is at the point where he should be getting a couple of these guys, and he's not. West Virginia bouncing back a 57th-ranked class last year, now up to 35. And TCU now has had three classes in the top 30. And this is what a lot of us thought could happen if TCU got a shot in a Power 5 conference again, and they've done it, and Gary Patterson is paying it off with, uh, with very solid recruiting classes. I don't think TCU can ever recruit at an Oklahoma or Texas level. I just don't think they can. But top 25, they can certainly do every year with the talent they have right in their backyard. And on top of this, for the Big 12, which had a great recruiting cycle. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Think about this too. 15 of the top 21 players in Texas are going to Big 12 schools. Last year, five of the top 21 players in Texas went to Big 12 schools. That is a massive turnaround. And we've talked about this since realignment happened. This conference needed desperately, desperately needed to get back to owning the state of Texas. It had not been happening since realignment, since A&M left, um, since Nebraska left, Colorado, you know, since all this turnover happened. This conference has not been the same on the recruiting trail. But with the success they had on the field this past season, a couple of the newcomers getting going, picking up the slack and Texas getting back to its old ways and Oklahoma also doing better on the recruiting trail under Lincoln Riley than Bob Stoops, ironically. This is all shaping up to be a great sign for this conference moving forward. It's enormous. And if Matt Rule can hang around Baylor for at least a few years and, and have success on the field, imagine what kind of recruiting they're going to do. 
and Matt Campbell. We haven't even mentioned Matt Campbell and and uh, the additions he made in that he's made improvements in every recruiting class on now number three. And Bill Snyder, you know, don't even look at the recruiting rankings with Bill Snyder because he's always in the 60s and he always ends up with eight, nine, ten wins a year and he beats some of the big dogs. So you don't even look at the recruiting rankings for Bill Snyder. And then you look at these top 20 teams. How many SEC East teams have to have garbage years all the time, yet still they have these top 20 classes? So don't buy into the SEC East and what they seem to do year in, year out. I'm just very optimistic and very positive about where this conference is heading on the football field. I'm also positive about where it's heading on the basketball court. Our own Matthew Postens will help us figure out where this conference is and where it's going next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Well, we now transition to the court on Heartland College Sports Weekly. I'm Pete Mundo, your host, and we're joined by one of our own, Matthew Postens, who has done a fantastic job. And we've gotten a lot of feedback, a lot of compliments on his uh, not even weekly, bi-weekly wrap-ups. And that's where he's kind of taking a look at the Big 12 after every set of conference games. It's made its way around the conference on different websites, and it's really been a, a fantastic job from him. So, Matthew, we've got the uh, latest group here of, of Big 12 games. And you look at Texas Tech and what they did on Tuesday night. Are you convinced now that this is the best team in the conference? Yeah, I think I am. I mean, I actually just got done writing my piece, or at least that part of my piece for later this week. And, you know, I made the point that right now, I think offensively and defensively, I don't think there's a deeper team in the conference. I mean, we've known what they're all about defensively all season. I mean, they're a great man-to-man team, especially in the half court. Uh, They do a great job of on-ball defense. They do a great job of handing off pick and rolls. But really over the last three weeks, you know, they've really developed an offensive game around Keenan Evans. He had 26 points against Oklahoma uh, Tuesday night, but you know, Nim Nim Stevenson, uh, Zaire Smith, um, Norenzo Diasi all had good offensive games around. And in fact, Jarrett Culver is really the only player that didn't have like a, a big offensive game around Keenan Evans. And, and that was something I don't think Oklahoma was really expecting or counting on. I think they were, doing their best to try to counteract Keenan Evans as much as they could. And, you know, they really weren't able to do that from a defensive standpoint, but all those other guys, you know, coming to the fore and hitting double figures, they had eight different players that scored in the game. They're showing that they have more in their toolbox than just Keenan Evans. And it, it was a weird night because Oklahoma showed they had more in their toolbox than Trey Young, but I actually kind of felt like Trey Young, you know, going 0 for 9 from the three-point line kind of cost them uh, that game, really. His inability to make a three-pointer really did, did cost them uh, an opportunity to try and, and uh, steal one on the road. But right now, I just don't think there's a team playing better basketball right now in the Big 12 than Texas Tech. Matthew, let's talk about Trey Young because he's really had a rough couple of weeks here uh, when you look at it. And I think this OU team in many ways has almost become over-reliant on him to a fault. I mean, we all think about that 48-point output against Oklahoma State and how impressive that game was. And he's had, you know, a handful of these games. But 
there is talent around him when you look at it from, you know, guys like McGusty and and James, uh, you know, Brady Manick. These guys can produce and can be good to, you know, 2A players to Trey Young, but it feels like the team has become over-reliant on him. And, and that's what was that's what was so strange. You know, McGusty had a good game. Uh, McNeese had a good game. Christian James had a great game. I mean, the the, the pieces around Trey Young from a scoring standpoint had been somewhat inconsistent this season. But, you know, if those three guys along with Brady Manick play like that every night, then Oklahoma is going to be in every game every night. Yeah, this was a situation with Tech where, you know, like I said, it was really Young's inability to hit three-pointers and the fact that he had as many turnovers as he had assists, uh, six each, uh, to me kind of cost Oklahoma the game more than what his supporting cast was able or unable to do. You know, we know the guy's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. And you know, what he has to avoid, I feel like, are those turnovers that are just you know, careless. And he had a couple of those in this game, a big one down the stretch when they were still in the ball game in the final two minutes, he just dribbled the ball off his ankle. And he's done that two or three times this year, late in games. And I don't think it's a, you know, I don't think it's a clutch issue. I don't think it's a mental toughness issue. I just think it's a, it's a 19 year old kid, like you said, trying to make a little bit too much happen, uh, trying to do a little bit too much on his own. And those kinds of things happen. So, you know, Oklahoma, they've lost, uh, I think five of their last seven now. They they haven't won a road game in more than a month in the Big Twelve. Uh, you know they they've tried ratcheting back Trey Young a little bit, uh, and he he seems to play more within himself in the first half than he does in the second half of games. But the problem is when you look at him in the first half of the last six or seven games, he hasn't been very productive offensively, and then he kind of lets himself go a little bit in the second half, and then we start to see the Trey Young we saw in January. But it doesn't necessarily need Oklahoma to a win. So I, I think they have a little bit of an identity crisis right now. You're, you're trying to find the right balance between letting Trey Young handle the offense and handle the ball and facilitating and scoring and making sure that everybody else is involved. And they just haven't found that balance yet. I, I couldn't agree more. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, being joined by our own Matthew Postens here has done a fantastic job kind of heading our, our basketball coverage. Matthew, let's turn our attention to Bill Self here, who I thought he had a great quote on um, the Matt Galloway at the Topeka Capital Journal. And he said, basically, you know, welcome to the real world was his quote to Kansas fans. It's so funny. I mean, this team it feels like they're five games back in the Big 12 race. They're only one game behind. They still have to play Texas Tech. They're still going to have another chance against the Red Raiders. In the Big 12, anything can happen. We know this is far from Bill Bill Self's best team, but I think he's done a pretty darn good coaching job with this group. Yeah, I think he has too. It's a... when you look at what they've done, it's really a depth issue. We've kind of talked about this in the past. They really only play eight guys. And, you know, he's, he's made the point. He made the point today. You know, he's got to play Devontae Graham 40 minutes a game because if they don't, uh, you know, they're not going to win games. In fact, they flashed up a, a stat during the game, and I'm in the process of rewatching the Kansas-Iowa State game. You know, he's played 40 minutes in eight straight games. And in the 20 possessions that he's not on the floor in the last month and a half or whatever that time span is, you know, they've scored on six of those 20 possessions. So Devontae Graham has to be on the floor, not just to score, but to facilitate 
run the offense and basically just keep this train on the tracks. Uh, you know, it's, you know, it, it is one of, it's going to end up being one of his better coaching jobs, really, whether they win the big 12 or not, because, uh, because you just don't see teams that have this little depth at this level play this well and compete this well. And you, and you talked about, you know, Kansas fans feeling like they're five games back in the big 12. Well, that's the, you know, that's the expectation. I mean, you win 13 straight conference championships in the regular season uh, at a single program. It's, it's a pretty unique experience being a Kansas fan. Uh, and, you know, I, I still think they've got a chance to win the league, but they're going to have to find a way to figure out how to, how to get Texas tech out of balance because the way tech has played, you know, really since I saw them play in person against TCU a few weeks ago, everything's just kind of humming for them. You know, everything's in balance with what they're trying to do on both sides of the basketball. And really the only reason that I can see that the committee had Kansas in front of Texas tech when they released their top four seeds in each region on Sunday is really reputation because right now I think Texas tech probably is a better team than Kansas, but yeah, that game in 12 days in Lubbock is going to be one hell of an affair. Uh, I wish I could. I wish I could get out there for that, but I don't think that's going to be possible. But that's going to be one hell of a game, and that game very well could decide whether or not Kansas's streak of 13 straight conference championships stays alive or not. I I cannot wait for that game uh, next Saturday. Matthew Poston's Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Matthew, in terms of big picture, I was thinking about this earlier today, and it was just the idea that you know as we get closer to the NCAA tournament, maybe this is more a a discussion on the state of college basketball, which is pretty wide open. But as good as the Big Twelve has been. I could absolutely see us getting to the Elite Eight, you know, that that second half of the second weekend and not having any Big 12 teams left. I know this conference is great, but I could also see where we don't have a single Big 12 team in an Elite Eight game. It just feels like that kind of year. Do you see that as a potential or do you feel like, no, this is going to be a a deep year for this conference? Well, I think we're probably going to see seven teams make it into the postseason, maybe eight. I mean, I was looking at Joe Lenardi's updated bracketology tonight, and you know, Baylor's one of the you know first eight teams out of the tournament. Oklahoma State's actually getting consideration now for the tournament, so we could see seven or eight teams make the tournament. I think the thing is, you see the rankings and the seedings happen from week to week. I think you see things equalizing a little bit. I mean, West Virginia was up there at number two a month and a half ago. Now they're down at 20. Oklahoma was a, a top 10 team at one time. Now they're down at 20. I mean, it's we talk about this conference being so deep, but nobody's really just head and shoulders out there in front of anybody. And I think when you get into the Sweet 16 and you get into the Elite Eight, yeah, that could lead – to maybe only one big 12 making it into the final eight of this tournament uh, simply because there's no, you know, I know this team in my heart is going to be in the final four kind of team in this conference. It's what's made this conference so fun for the last month and a half and watching all these games because nobody's ever truly out of it, but it may actually end up being their undoing come late March when they don't have that one or two teams that, really do feel like elite eight final four contenders, uh, you know, that we're used to seeing out of Kansas year after year, uh, you know, occasionally Oklahoma slipping in there. So 
yeah, it, it could be a situation where you get to late March and you don't have a Big 12 team in the Elite Eight. And that wouldn't necessarily mean it's a bad season for the conference. It would just mean that this was such a balanced year in this league where everybody was competitive, everybody had a good team, and everybody could push you know, Kansas and Texas Tech to the brink. I mean, Oklahoma lost by 10, but it was a close game tonight. Iowa State pushed Kansas at home. And, you know, they've lost to Kansas, I think, by a combined 11 points this year. So, you know, that just tells you the balance right there when you're talking about the second best team in the conference and what would be called the worst team in the conference in Iowa State. You know, Kansas sweeps the series, but they only win by a total of 11 points. That kind of tells you everything you need to know about the league. Yeah, Matthew, it is a, a fun time if you're a Big 12 fan. Also keeps you on the edge of your seat. Also, uh, you know, might give you a heart attack, but it's going to be a, a fun next three, four, five weeks for these teams, for these fan bases. And uh, we're continuing to look forward to uh, to your coverage on the site. So, so great stuff. Always enjoy chatting, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Pete. Matthew Poston's great stuff here on Heartland College Sports. You see him all the time on the website. He is as tuned in and locked in the Big 12 basketball as I'd argue anybody out there. I mean, seriously, for the whole conference, this guy's as good as it gets. And we are lucky to have him along for the ride. Pete Mundo with you, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Coming up next, we go back to football. And Iowa State's fan base has taken its fandom to a new level. We'll hit on that and uh, what's going on in Manhattan coming up on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Pete Mundo wrapping things up with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always appreciate you guys joining us. Part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, your independent Big 12 media outlet. I should also note... Uh, We are doing a lot more baseball coverage this spring. We have all the previews are rolling out on the site as we speak. Everyone except Iowa State, of course, since they don't play Big 12 baseball. Uh, But all the previews are being rolled out. We're going to be doing power rankings, more baseball coverage. Myself and and Cam Brock, who really is our baseball guy, is going to spearhead that. So looking forward to uh, getting the ball rolling this weekend already. We are opening up Big 12 baseball play. I I can't believe it, but here we are. So it's going to be a a really fun spring. And then you got spring football. It's it's March Madness. It is going to be a really fun next uh, two to three months, four months, really, by the time the College World Series is over. So just it never ends. Good times in the Big 12 Conference. Speaking of good times in the Big 12 Conference, Iowa State football has set a new mark in attendance, and it's huge not just for them but for this entire conference. So you think of the Big 12, you think of football, you think Oklahoma, Texas, right? Well, after that, the numbers came out. The highest attendance in the Big 12 Conference this past season was the Iowa State Cyclones, who were also in the top 30 in the country. Coming in at number 28, ahead of Oklahoma State, which was at 30. So Iowa State averaged 58,000, let's round up for the sake of conversation, 58,000 fans per game which once again, top 30 in the country, third in the Big 12 Conference. That is, think about this. This is a program that generally has not been anywhere close to not just one of the top tier programs in its conference, but even, you know, bowl eligibility 
was a good year for this team and a good year for this program. And even that hadn't happened a whole lot in recent years. But this fan base, which gets a lot of credit on the basketball side of things because of the success the basketball team has had in recent years, people didn't realize that even when they were going through some of these three and nine seasons under Paul Rhodes, Jack Trice was basically filled to the gills. And now year two under Matt Campbell, you know, the Oklahoma game, the TCU game, of course, OU was on the road, but the hype was there, the excitement was there, and they're blasting through attendance records. I mean, to think that a school like Iowa State is outmanning schools like Oklahoma State and Kansas State and Texas Tech in attendance numbers is beyond impressive. And this fan base deserves it because they have stuck in it and stuck at it through thick and thin. For the record, uh, it was Texas that was tops in the Big 12, 93,000 fans per game, 8th in the country. Oklahoma at 12th in the country at 86,000 fans per game. So you had those two teams in the top 12. Then you had to stumble all the way down to 28 to find Iowa State as the third team in the conference after that. It was Oklahoma State at 30. So those were the only uh, four teams in the top 30 in the Big 12 Conference. You know, you had Michigan 1, Ohio State 2, Penn State 3, Alabama 4, and Texas A&M as the top five in that list. Let's go to uh, Manhattan, Kansas. A couple of quiet notes came out over the weekend that, you know, the Kansas State fan probably knows about. The Irish Big 12 fan who's caught up in College hoops may not. Running back Dalvin Warmack and wide receiver Dominic Heath both announced on social media that they're going to transfer. And since they've graduated college, they can play immediately. Now, Bill Snyder took a brief swipe at this in his press conference following National Signing Day. It wasn't a major dig, but he did bring up the idea that, you know, it's gotten to the point where basically kids don't want, don't get what they want, so they want to go somewhere else and they want to play immediately. Here was the quote from Bill Snyder. I think we teach bad values. If I can't get it easily, I'm going to move on. I don't think that's the way we want to raise our children. I don't buy into it. From Bill Snyder. Now, I am a huge Bill Snyder fan. I respect, you can't have anything but respect for what he has built in Manhattan over the past uh, 30 plus years with a brief hiatus in between. But that being said, if you're Dalvin Warmack and you've been sitting behind Alex Barnes in the backfield, and this is a team that runs the quarterback, you know, uh, keeper left, keeper right, and, and that's a big part of the offense, and then there's Barnes and you're lost in the shuffle, and you have one year left to prove that you can be worthy of a potential NFL draft pick, most likely a late round, if that, for a guy like Dalvin Warmack, you got to do it. I don't think this is about selfishness. I think this is a guy who's been in the program now for several years and has one year left of eligibility to prove himself for the next level. This is not a guy who, you know, didn't win the starting job after one or two years and says, you know what, I'm out. Dalvin Warmack paid his dues to Kansas State football. And he didn't get the opportunities that he thought he should get. I don't blame him for that. 
And Dominique Keith is a very similar situation because in 2016, Heath had 45 catches, 438 yards, and three touchdowns. This past season, he had 22 catches, 196 yards, and one touchdown. It's a huge drop. It's a huge drop. And I look at that, and if I'm Dominique Keith, and I also have one year left of eligibility, and I'm in an offense where you know you might even be running the quarterback more next year, depending on who you go with. If it's Alex Delton, I'm not sure how much that team is passing the ball then he's also got to go to a situation where he can showcase his skills more for the next level. He's graduated. He's got his degree. He hung around this program for several years. To say that Dominique Keith is another guy that basically said, I'm not getting what I want, so I'm going elsewhere, is not a fair assessment by Bill Snyder. Now, he didn't say that about Dominique Keith and about Dalvin Warmack specifically. But he was asked about it, and at the time, he mentioned we probably have a couple more transfers coming up. So, in a cryptic way, he was talking about those two guys. And I don't think that's the right move for a guy like Bill Snyder, because I think he's wrong. Once again, I respect the heck out of Bill Snyder and what he's put together. But I just think on this topic, he has missed the boat in what these two players in particular are doing. Now, I do agree that the transfer rule from a big picture standpoint has hurt college football in many ways where it's basically short-term gratification. But when Bill Snyder's offense is what it is and there's no immediate signs that's changing, I can't knock a guy like Dalvin Warmack or Dominique Keith for choosing their path. I can't do it in good conscience. Pete Mundo with you, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Really appreciate you guys joining us. As always, we've got a ton of basketball coverage, football offseason, baseball previews, heartlandcollegesports.com. Be sure to check it out there. We'll talk to you next week. Same time, same place on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. Guys, thanks so much as always for tuning in. Can't thank you enough. Uh, always appreciate it. Every single one of your listens, downloads, uh, every week this thing is growing and the numbers continue to impress me, blow me away, and I am forever grateful and thankful of that. Uh, once again, rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. That would be beyond appreciative if you could do that. And uh, yeah, free koozie as well. Hit me up, Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com. If you leave that review, let me know about it. Talk to you guys next week.